to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masonian Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. I am glad everyone joined me today for our podcast, and I think it's important for us to be here and show stories of hope for our listeners. So thanks for joining me as we hear these stories of female food entrepreneurs. This is Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center in Portland, Oregon. We're missing Sarah Marshall today and look forward to her returning soon. I want to thank our sponsor, Marketed Choice, for supporting this podcast, Masonian Marshall, and thank you for helping spreading the word about women food entrepreneurs. Marketed Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local food entrepreneurs, so much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers farmers, ranchers, and fisher folk realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. We thank you, Marketed Choice, and we love you. Okay, I have some new food news for you today. If you're a food entrepreneur, be sure to look at our regional food business center. There are seven across the U.S. with a mission to connect underserved food folks with the technical assistance and funding to help take their food business to the next level. I also suggest you connect with your State Department of Agriculture to learn about funding they may have to help you move your food idea forward. We have something exciting happening at the Food Innovation Center. We haven't had this happen since 2018. Um, On December 7th, which is a Thursday evening, the Food Innovation Center is hosting a holiday bazaar featuring startup food entrepreneurs that have either attended the Portland Community College Getting Your Recipe to Market or have worked with the Food Innovation Center while creating their new food product. If you are a confirmed foodie and want to come by the Food Innovation Center for bites and buys, please find a ticket link on Eventbrite. That's December 7th, 2023. If any of our food friends out there have an announcement, please contact us through the website at startupradionetwork.com, or you can message us on Instagram at Masoni and Marshall. We will help you spread the news about your food news. I am not alone today. We have a guest in the house, and it's Carrie Solomon from Greater Good. Carrie uh, was on our show, number 67, a few years ago, and we've asked her to come back and talk with us about how things have changed. I am so glad you've joined me today. I want to help connect our listeners to your company via social media and your website. Can you tell me what links you are using for Instagram, Facebook, and maybe your website? 
Yes. And hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me today. There is definitely a lot of changes in news. Um, Thanks. So for Greater Goods, everyone can find us on Instagram at grtrgoods. Uh, and we're also on Facebook at Hello Greater. Our website is hellograater.com. And our newest venture, MicroJoy, which hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about, uh, you can find us on Instagram at microjoyful and at our website, microjoyful.com. Ooh, now you have my interest peaked. Tell us right now, what is MicroJoy and MicroJoyful? So MicroJoy, we very softly launched less than a year ago at some holiday events uh, just to test the market because we had a hunch that people were going to really love functional mushroom gummies. And they did. So we went ahead and we launched this new company built on a lot of knowledge that we've uh, attained being in plant wellness for the last decade, um, having built a CBD business and dabbling a little bit in functional mushroom additives and adaptogens, we decided to go whole hog into mainstream uh, and launch this new brand. Uh, it's been catching on very quickly. And we've been able to enjoy some more mainstream things in the world that we couldn't quite uh, make the best of before with having some limitations. So we're really excited about this product line. Okay. So the first thing I thought about when you talked about microjoy is microdosing. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to people what microdosing is? So definitely. Um, firstly, the products that are under microjoy are not uh, psychedelic. That's one thing to okay. mention. It's all mainstream functional mushrooms, um, but people love to have this conversation and we're happy to have it. It's something that comes up a lot when we're at events or just talking to other colleagues uh, because the world of mushrooms, whether it be therapeutic on the psychedelic side with psilocybin or to be therapeutic on sort of the mainstream functional side, they really have these uh, amazing benefits um, that have become both very popular, but also just recognized as things that have been used for, for centuries. Um, so microdosing specifically is um, leveraging the use of uh, psilocybin mushrooms, uh, which come in various different strains, but microdosing is uh, using them at a sub-perceptual to, to nearly sub-perceptual levels to help with uh, dealing with a lot of um, mental, emotional, just life issues. A lot of people enjoy um, using that as a way to deal with traumas, depression, um, helping create uh, more activity in the brain. And it's usually done short term, but some people use it long term. Mm -hmm. um, and it is a perceptual uh, versus some of the things that you may have been hearing recently about people engaging in a therapeutic environment for larger macrodoses. It's something that was recently um, legal. Is that what was in the news, like with a uh, pilot on Alaska Airlines? Oops, uh, gosh. He shut off the plane. <laughs> I don't know what oh was going on with that guy. The guy's in jail. Oh my no. gosh, I feel sorry for his family. I feel yeah. sorry for Alaska Airlines. I feel sorry for all the people who were on the plane. 
I know. And I think they said they had to, they had to land in Portland of all places, which is yeah. like sort of the beacon of decriminalization. So I was like, <laughs> I was like oh no, the press like, <laughs> going to come out. Tragic situation. Uh-huh. Um, so tragic. Yeah, that didn't go so well for him. Um, no. but- and you know who else it didn't go well for is Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, she had quite the adventure, but she did. I think she did. You know, that uh, cyclocybin and microdosing has been going on for a very long time. We just didn't have it in the news. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Oregon does have a program that it's. It, it, it's problematic and we probably shouldn't get into it because I'm not the most well. We're not the experts. We're not the experts. I can talk yeah. more about microdosing, but um, there is a program where people can engage therapeutically while taking larger doses in a, a setting that where people have been trained. It's just, it's very expensive. Um, and, yeah. but it can be very helpful on that level. So for many of us, myself included, microdosing has been, uh, a great option that's less disruptive to your day uh, mm-hmm. to be used in certain circumstances where, you know, the stresses of the day can be very um, obvious, debilitating, <laughs> debilitating. Yeah. Like when it's um, time to make dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why is dinner so hard all the time? Nobody will tell us who they, what they want to eat. That's why it's so hard. <laughs> it's so true. They just say food. One of my friends said that when her husband said he just wanted food, she put Captain Crunch and a gallon of milk on the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so okay. So what if people want to buy your products? How do they do that? Is um, there a location? Is it yeah. direct? Well, Retailers? so MicroJoy, MicroJoy is very new. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be purchased online. Uh, it's shippable anywhere. Uh, these are all mainstream things that you would even find in Whole Foods. Um, and Whole Foods is kind of the tough one, right, to get into in terms of certain types of products. Um, yeah. So you can buy online. That's probably the easiest place. We are looking to expand. We're in a lot of retailers outside of Oregon, including Amsterdam and Australia. We're very what? international. Yeah. So do um, you, when you ship it, do you have to do anything special or is it just going as a candy? It's really going as a candy. Uh, you basically make declaration forms to, you know, let the recipient countries understand what's in your product. But, you know, essentially, like when people go into Whole Foods and they see like these powders and these capsules and, you know, it's really it's really in line with the types of things that you see on regular grocery shelves. Um, very mainstream, way more mainstream than the hemp industry even though many people think it's it's mainstream there really was a huge leap from cbd into just the supplement okay so when we talked to you a couple years ago on episode 67 you were talking about your cbd business yes can you give us an update on that greater goods top line yeah. yeah greater goods is still uh still alive um the cbd industry um, has struggled in general. Even larger companies uh, have seen challenges. Uh, you know, I think that business in general has shifted. So many things have happened year over year that, you know, you have that layer. 
Then you go to the next layer of a product that in retrospect, for many people presented as a fad, a wellness fad, yeah. um, as opposed to just a new way of thinking. So I think that uh, contributed to um, perhaps just the a little less robustness in the industry. Many companies like ours have struggled with um, banking and things of that nature. So some businesses have said it's not worth it. Yeah. So banking is complicated. Could you just give us a brief overview of how complicated banking is? Banking, not banking. So really it's based on a rule of law at the level of the IRS called 280E. Mm-hmm. And that really started, um, there was a, a, a court case, I think, want to say in the 80s, but I could be off a decade, um, where a drug dealer was, uh, you know, caught for dealing drugs, but also uh, somehow was paying taxes. And so <laughs> there it was, was an honest cool. drug dealer. It was kind of an honest drug dealer. <laughs> Again, you know, don't don't call me. But this rule came in. This rule came into being around uh, not allowing certain things to be expensable, and that really oh. that really is the banking that affects the cannabis industry specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've experienced that. Uh, it it creates uh, it, it creates a scenario where you're paying more taxes because less is expensable. So that's a challenge. When you get into CBD. We don't necessarily follow the same rules, but many banks still do not want to bank with CBD because they associate it so closely with the cannabis industry. In spite of the fact that the Farm Bill of 2018 uh, really made hemp federally okay, um, people still have issues with that. So in terms of... um, processing where part of what started out as a beta program with Square. Um, They still have a program for CBD companies, but the processing fees are double the normal processing fees for Square. Um, You can't sell through Shopify. You have to use a third party processor to, to help you do that. There's still this huge stigma around hemp in spite of the fact that you could ship it almost anywhere and you've got it in market of choice and other stores like that. And yet we're still being sort of lumped into a different but related industry. So things cost more. Um, I've heard of people suddenly getting uh, big processing fees just through their banks to handle their CBD companies. So there's an expense there that, uh, the industry and the money that you make having that business doesn't really offset those costs. And it's just Mm -hmm. a lot of hoops to jump through. Um, Whereas, you know, now sort of opening ourselves up into what I just call the real world, um, you know, we, we have a normal bank account. We can work on Shopify just like everybody else. Um, Like most of the food entrepreneurs, um, who just, you know, it's not easy. Nothing's ever easy, but layer on top of it, all this other red tape, which we are somewhat accustomed to from our, you know, our, our, our first THC business, but now it's just a joy. Yeah. Um, no wonder you're calling it micro joy. <laughs> it's yeah. on many levels. On many levels. Yes. 
So, okay. So here's the hard question. Are you going to sunset greater good then? Or what are you doing with greater good? You're going to keep going or? We're going to keep going for now. It's, um, it's, it's interesting where you get very excited about a new brand, especially when it's gaining. It's exciting. It's Mm -hmm. so exciting. Um, but as long as greater goods wants to live, she lives. Um, so she's doing well (laughs) it's holiday you know things are upticking a little bit we've got some larger orders in the pipeline uh with bigger wholesale buyers so you know that business will stay around and it's something that you know we do have loyal customers there who rely on many of our products for um for mood stabilization for better sleep it's hard to sunset something when you so actually, people. yeah, we have, I feel like I have relationships with many of our customers, even our online customers who ask questions or write notes. Yeah. Um, so that'll That's stay true. around. The amount of products that we offer, it's a lot of SKUs to manage. Those yeah. products may shrink a little bit. I was going to ask you because I looked on your website, it says you have Delta 8 gummies, chocolate bars, confections, and tinctures. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. <laughs> How many items are there actually? So do you have 20? We have within the gummies, we have eight SKUs, uh, four items that come in in two sizes. We have four CBD tinctures. Uh, We have two D8 tinctures, two D8 gummies. Um, We have multiple chocolate bars. That line will probably shrink a little bit just because the only differences are flavor. And we also do special confections like our chocolate-covered marshmallows and our seasonal chocolate-covered Oreos. So we've got a lot of stuff. Um, And yeah, I think it's hard to say no to customers when it is actually beneficial for their health or their... Well, I mean, if you're you're small enough and nimble enough to just fill each, you know, order as you need to... I'll say keep going. I agree. For now. For How, now. Okay. So that's kind of my next question. How did you come up with your original flavors for greater good? And did it inf- influence your new product line with MicroJoy? Um, so we had some... So prior to Greater Goods, we started a company called Leaf Goods. That was our THC company. Oh. And we started that in 2014. If anybody remembers, it was called Leaf Medicinals in the beginning. And then we renamed it. So uh, when we started that company, uh, we actually started with a topical uh, that is a non-psychoactive treatment for, for muscle pain. And then realized that we really, my husband and I started this company and we have a creative background and we really wanted to do something where we could express ourselves creatively and what better way than chocolate. Right. It's so cool because it's solid and it's liquid (laughs) and you can make it into different shapes, right? And you can put so many exciting flavors into it. Yeah, exactly. It's, It's amazing for creative people to work with chocolate. We love chocolate and we mm-hmm. created we created quite a few flavors uh, in that business. By 2016, we were already making 
um, a lot of interesting chocolate bars. And so when we transitioned into CBD, we did use some of those, uh, you know, original flavors because we knew that people loved them uh, and we liked them. And then, of course, we just felt like we wanted to get creative. It's like it's funny because when you say, well, how did you come up with this an idea to and this idea to an artist? It's hard to answer that question. Um, yeah, because so many things influence you, right? So you're like the art director of a very big movie, which is your movie, which is your business. And so you get to sort of decide what direction and what story you're going to tell through the products that you create with color, shape, flavor, serving size. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, mm -hmm. you know, for us, it, it was it the chocolate and CBD was truly an expression. the The flavors didn't really change the sensations necessarily, but it offered a broad array of something that somebody could choose from, right? So personal flavors that we loved, we would find a way to incorporate. Um, we, you know, the milk and cookies chocolate bar was such a cool chocolate bar because we also got to work with gluten-free jam. And nice. so what many of these um, flavors and expressions of things would allow us to do is to find people we really liked or loved and, and create a relationship with them professionally. And then we'd end up, you know, being friends with them or, you know, like, we exclusively work with Ranger, who provides the base chocolate for all of our chocolate products, mm. um, which is great because we adore George, who owns Ranger. So, and he makes a wonderful product. So, you know, not only do we get to be expressive, we get to have relationships with these other makers who are just delightful. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like, if a chocolate bar doesn't exist out there that we want, we're able to make it, which is really cool. Um, and I would say, you know, Microjoy is different because it's gummies. We are working on a holiday truffle um, at the moment if we have time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what about coffee. Have you done anything with coffee? Um, well, we did a coffee flavored chocolate bar in previous companies. Um, mm. We don't do a mushroom coffee. We actually um, share a little bit of space with Vehicle who makes chocolate. And well, we make, we actually make chocolate for them as a co-manufacturer mm. um, and they have mushrooms in their chocolate and they also make a mushroom infused coffee. So that's, yeah, that's super popular right now. It is. It, it is. Um, so you have a I mean, do you have a favorite? coffee with mushroom or do you not like it i was just curious um i, I haven't really say, tried it yeah i'm not a coffee drinker i'm a matcha oh. drinker and my husband is a real coffee snob okay and so he's kind of a purist if if i think he really he'll stick with his favorite coffee makers and if he wants to consume mushrooms he'll do it separately in a chocolate bar sounds much better or gummy yeah, exactly. Um, you know, in my I'm addicted to my daily matcha and I want it just so. So I kind of I keep them a little bit separated. Okay. Um, but yeah, check out vehicle for vehicles uh mushroom infused coffee. I'll promote them a little bit because they're friends. So Okay, so we're gonna take a break and when we come back, let's talk specifically about flavors that you've come up with. 
Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. All right, Carrie, we're back. I want to ask you a very important question. If there was only one thing from the list of everything that you make that you could take with you on a very special trip, what would it be? That's a great question. Um, I think I would take our concentrate, microjoy concentrate gummies. Okay. Um, And why? What flavor are those? So it's a lemon gummy. It's absolutely delightful. And it's primarily, I would take it with me for its ingredient profile. It's a super simple profile. It's lion's mane mushrooms Mm. plus L-theanine. L-theanine is an amino acid that is typically found in green tea, but can be actually found in black tea and some mushrooms. Um, Okay. And it's the sort, it's an amino acid that uh, is very relaxing without being sedating. It's an excellent mood booster. So if I was going somewhere, whether enjoyable or stressful, I would want my L-theanine for sure. And then lion's mane is just a, a really great mushroom for mental acuity and focus. It kind of keeps you on your toes. Um, so the two of those together have this sort of flow state kind of sensation. That's what I would Okay. So um, the very first time somebody tries one of the products from MicroJoy, will they feel different? Or does it take a couple times of trying it before you can really notice a difference in how you feel? So those are specifically designed to feel things within 45 minutes. Yeah. In Um, 45 minutes. Or sooner. It depends on the person. And oh, okay. Person. But yeah, we wanted to create something where it wasn't, mushrooms are great. There are people that make things that are basically a mushroom complex and they're good for your health, but the more like a vitamin, mm. you're going to assume they're working great, but it's, it's hard to know. Yeah. Whereas our formulas are designed and dosed in a way that you will feel energy, focus, be able to sleep, um, those types of things. So it's pretty quick. So do you actually do the extractions or do you get those from someone else or is it all powder? or Is it chunks of mushrooms? I don't, I don't know. Well, it is an extract. We don't extract ourselves. We leave that to the professionals. We get really high ratio extracts that's a dual extraction process using um, ethanol which is burned off in the process plus water mm-hmm. from a, a domestic uh, provider of organically grown mushrooms okay uh, stateside so everything is domestic um, the reason we like that is because the potency is much higher it removes some of the extra plant matter that's not necessary and would you know be difficult to work with so it is a powder. It's an extracted powder. Okay. Um, They're just things we'll leave to the pros to create. Um, That sounds good to me. Yeah. Well, I was wondering, because I know your experience in THC and CBD, and some of the record keeping is very complex, I think, in those systems. And I was wondering, did you carry that over then into your new business, MicroJoy? 
I think that we have this, you know, we were kind of trained in a world where excessive record keeping was required. Um, it's not as required. We, there's no finished product testing. Um, there are COAs that accompany as a certificate of um, analysis. Uh, analysis. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, COAs do accompany our mushrooms so that when a customer or a wholesale partner asks, we do have the breakdown of uh, ratio, potency, polysaccharide content, things of that nature. But um, in terms of batch testing, those of you listeners who are familiar with working in cannabis, there's a crazy platform yeah. called Metric. And yeah, so, it's a big deal. Yeah. It, you know, making sure that we understand our lot numbers and our batch IDs and things of that nature that, you know, most food makers. And doesn't your stuff to be in quarantine or something before it's leaked? No. No, not at all. Not CBD and THC stuff didn't have to be tracked. Maybe that was a long time ago, like 10 years ago. THC still needs to be tracked from seed to sale. So it's followed through that metric system. Mm -hmm. Um, We now luckily work with a co-manufacturer, so don't have to be as hands-on. It's it's been wonderful. Um, CBD, many people do ask for for testing, market of choice, for example, requires some rigorous testing along mm-hmm. with, you know, to follow mm-hmm. Oregon rules. So um, we do test finished product for market of choice. Most people don't require that uh, at this point, but, um, you know, the source oil for, for hemp uh, with CBD, CBN, D8, all those things have to be, they should be tested um, because y- you want to make sure you're giving the customer yeah, it's a liability issue. You want to deliver what you're saying you're delivering. So with that in mind, can you tell us a little bit more about the flavors? We haven't talked about the flavors besides your favorite one that you would take on a trip. What other flavors do you have? In the new business? in my Yeah, mm-hmm. so, I didn't even know you had a new business, so I don't... Surprise! (laughs) Um, So we do have three flavors. We sort of, we we see them more in terms of functional content. Okay. Um, But we did choose the flavor of the gummy, um, you know, deliberately. So Hmm. one of the products uh, is called Motivate. It has cordyceps, maca root, and B12. Um, And that one's really interesting because... uh, Maca root actually has a really interesting flavor. Isn't it um, kind of sweet? It's kind of sweet and bready. Like it's yeah. bready to me mm-hmm. almost. A little uh, buttery. Exactly. So, you know, when we were creating these things, the, because you're not just working with flavor, you're also working with these other really persnickety ingredients, right? Like mm-hmm. mushrooms have flavor, adaptogens have flavor, amino acids have flavor. These things just yes, have flavor. Do. So you have to adapt, you know, as we're going through R&D, we're going, okay, this maca has a certain flavor. It doesn't go well with lemon, but it goes beautifully with strawberry. It almost tastes like a strawberry, Pepperidge Farm strawberry cookie, you know, like jelly inside. Mm. Um, So it has this really interesting flavor. And and when you're doing R&D, obviously, you know, you're having to you want to make things taste good so it's enjoyable. The whole point of microjoy is being able to be open to small glimmers of joy. And yeah. we, of course, want people to enjoy the, the flavor. So that one is a, is a kind of tastes like a strawberry cookie. We basically just call it berry flavored. Um, 
but it does have this kind of interesting flavor. Our concentrate gummy, the one I would take anywhere, yeah. uh, is lemon. The lion's mane and L-theanine are more forgiving uh, to in terms of influencing flavor profiles. So that one just has the most delightful sort of old school lemon candy kind of flavor. It's like a little bite of sunshine. Nice. And then our hibernate, which is meant for better sleep, also has some interesting, challenging uh, ingredients. So reishi mushrooms is an ingredient. Reishi is very difficult to work with because of its um, flavor profile. It also has L-theanine, but also tryptophan. Um, and tryptophan, oh. yeah, most people are uh, familiar with that because it's in Turkey. And that's why they say you get really sleepy after a Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Um, and tryptophan has a little bit of uh, flavor as well. There's some bitterness. But what we did there is we did a blackberry or no, we did a citrus flavor for that. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, it's citrusy. We wanted to do a blackberry. Blackberry is most typically used in nighttime preparations, either blackberry okay. or elderberry. Mm. It's sort of just a signifier. The flavor itself doesn't make you sleepy, but it's sort of a common flavor. But we found yeah. that it just wasn't working. Something about taste good. It tasted terrible, and because something about the reishi and the tryptophan changed the the flavor, the acidity or something. But citrus acidic. is really acidic. I actually, when you told me that flavor, I thought about um, especially for the tryptophan. You can release tryptophan if you put um, molasses. And milk and equal parts water and milk in a tablespoon of molasses in about eight ounces total, and you heat that up, uh, it releases tryptophan. That is so. Awesome. I was wondering if you could do like a a brown sugar boba tea flavor with reishi mushroom, tryptophan, and L-theanine. I wouldn't say no to it. That's for sure. <laughs> Sounds might delicious. Try it with some molasses. Could yeah, be good. Could be great. Um, you know, reishi is interesting. Um, it has a, an interesting flavor. I make a, I have my husband make me a very special concoction that I want specifically. And we are actually using red reishi, um, which imparts some flavor, but I've grown accustomed to it. Um, mm. And I like it a lot. If you add powders, mushroom powders, things, just make sure you shake it up so it's homogenized. And yeah. Can it be kind of grainy, right? It, well, the powders we get are extremely fine. Um, okay. They, they do incorporate, but they can settle even. At the, are they freeze-dried or something? Do they do the extract and then freeze-dry it? They're or, not freeze No, they're not freeze-dried. Just they're just micro-milled. Yeah. It, the, the, any liquid content is evaporated, <clears throat> and then what's left is the powder. So, okay, so we started out a little bit talking about how you've changed, businesses changed over the last three years. Um, I guess it's changed because you started a new company, but is there anything that you could reflect on for folks if they went back and listened to what you said on episode 67? I, I actually don't recall, and I, I'm sorry I didn't listen. But is there anything that you can think of that's really, really um, had an impact on you because of the way the world was shut down during COVID-19? Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, we actually saw a lift uh, 
in in revenue for greater goods specifically because people were struggling um, mentally, emotionally, and CBD was really helpful. Um, I think as things have leveled out to some degree, um, even though we've had bumpy roads and more to come, um, you know, people have gone back to the way they have before. So that bump has kind of evened out. I mean, what I would say in general and the reason why we love doing these businesses, regardless of the challenges, being in plant wellness, it's no matter how difficult it's been, it's been wonderful to be able to get the feedback from people um, that were helping them. And I think that's probably something that I talked about um, in our first conversation was in spite of the challenges of doing a startup in food, in um, a, a, an unregulated market in a difficult world is that you're, you're pursuing it because you're still helping people. It's, you know, it brings some joy and relief um, to whoever can discover your product. So, you know, it's carried us through. I do have a couple of operational questions for you. So for you to produce these products in Oregon, you are inspected by the Oregon Department of Agriculture. Is that correct? That's correct. And have they required anything in, in particular for you to be able to produce these products? Or is it just all about record keeping and your process? I mean, the ODA. Sanitation. Yeah, it. it the ODA treats us like any other business, you know, we're held to exactly the same standards in terms of cleanliness, you know, organization, things of that sort. Requirements as companies grow, like a HACCP plan or, you know, certain types of certifications that comes with the growth of a company and the expectations from the buyers. But we're so small at this point that, you know, we just strictly follow ODA requirements. That's good to know. And tell us about your crew. Do you still have the same folks on staff as you um, did three years ago? We don't. Um, people come and go. You know, we've, you know, we offloaded our THC production to a local co-packer. CBD has changed. We've moved to a new location. We're now oh. in the general industry building, which is this really cool space shared by numerous makers. Um, is that in North Portland. Yeah. Um, it's in I've North Portland. In yeah. The previous potato chip factory, which just delights oh. me. Um, yeah. So yeah. Our crew has changed. Um, it's real small right now. It's my husband and I and a couple of part-time workers. Um, mm. So things are always changing. We're aiming for really rapid growth next year. Um, mm. So we'll obviously be staffing up uh, to meet those what, needs. What kind of uh, work experience do you look for as a small company when you bring somebody on staff? Um, well, it definitely depends on the role for someone in a support role, like a packaging person or a pick and pull for, you know, fulfilling orders. We look for someone who has proven experience being organized uh, and has attention to detail. And that could come from a, a whole wide array of different types of jobs. It's great if you've worked in food because then you can understand the rigorous needs of, you know, cleaning and, you know, personal hygiene and things of that nature. Um, and on the kitchen side and making, um, a lot of times we've taught people 
the skills they need to be chocolatiers or confectioners. It's great to find someone who already has an experience, but it's also nice to be able to show your way. Yeah. And our way, every, every gummy SOP, you know, there's a lot of different ways to make things. Um, So sometimes it's easier to teach someone than to unteach someone. Mm -hmm. That's Um, true. Yeah. Do you have one of those gummy depositors? Those are cool. And do you (laughs) use silicone trays and all that stuff? We do silicone molds. Yes. Um, We've learned a lot from starting off with inexpensive molds and graduated to really wonderful molds. Always go for wonderful, make easier to get stuff out. Right. So, oh, life changing. Um, (laughs) It's funny because we're exploring a depositor right now um, and it's great. makes less mess. There's lots of cleanup on the other end, but you know, they're not cheap. Um, it's funny because we're we're looking at staffing up. We're looking at getting a depositor. Where you're asking all the right questions because we're sort of in the. Well, I'm kind of wondering what's gonna pull the trigger for you. So you have this plan that you're gonna ramp up. So I was thinking, okay, so they are in market of choice, but what's your next target, and how do you meet the buyers? Like, are you going to any trade shows? Um, not yet. Our real focus is truly on microjoy. Um, people do come to us, you know, they find us word of mouth, word of mouth for greater goods. Mm-hmm. Um, microjoy, we're unfair. Fair has really opened oh. up so much opportunity for us. Um, I we leveraged a lot of the customer base that we already had in the smaller wellness boutique realm. So mm-hmm. we were immediately able to put Microjoy in front of people with existing relationships from our CBD okay. business. Um, market of, they're in review at Market of Choice right now. So Ooh. we're just waiting back. We um, love Market of Choice. I love Market of Choice. I adore Market John Boyle's the best. I know. And Gwendolyn's been awesome. And uh, we love them. Not just saying that. They're really fantastic. They are. And we are um, in talks with a national distributor in the natural foods realm. Ooh. So that's really the big thing. And we do plan to go out and try and raise uh, capital this year, beginning of next year. Yeah. So. If you're talking to a distributor, that means you must feel pretty confident that a large corporate buyer is going to take your product, right? Well, we're thinking along the lines of Sprouts, Moms, Mm, mm. Whole Foods. Um, Nice. We've been in Foxtrot before. They're sort of a selectively regional, really cool shop. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're submitting some product to them this week. Um, you know, we're thinking of grocers who have wellness sections already. There are certain grocers. Fred Meyer and Kroger Um, has that. Yeah. That might be a little on the large side for us. Yeah. I wouldn't do that yet. That's too big. That right off the bat. Yeah. That would terrify me. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, sort of these grocers that might have, you know, 10 locations region yeah. to start mm-hmm. off with, uh, you know, it's like mark- any kind of market of choice scenario where they have a robust wellness section and understand how the customer shops for those items is really natural grocers might be a good target for you. Absolutely. It's literally in the name. Right. <laughs> 
Okay, it's getting close. I want to ask you a question. If you had a chance to give advice to a startup company, do you have any lessons learned or any like wisdom that you want to share? Mm, I could talk for an hour more. Um, startup, I think it takes longer than you think. It's not, nothing is an overnight success. It isn't sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think regardless of a financial situation, be emotionally prepared to stick with it for a very, very long time. Um, I would also. How long do you think very, very long time is? A year? I Ten would say years? A year. Oh. Um, I mean, maybe that's a short period of time, but I also would say be have enough financial runway to make it through that year without, you know, potentially being able to pay yourself strictly. Okay. So you have to have like, you have to have some money saved up or somebody still working in your family. I think so. When we started our businesses, it overlapped with, you know, other revenue producing endeavors that we had at Mm -hmm. the time. Um, It took us, when we started our first business, it really took us, two and a half years to be able to fully pay ourselves. That's two salaries. Um, So that's a lot, but it took us that long to do that. And even today there's highs and lows where, you know, I'm a designer by trade. I'll pick up design work. Um, Get a couple of projects so you can go on vacation or something. Yeah. Or eat. (laughs) Or eat, or maybe you need a new fridge. (laughs) Um, or you have to pay the electrical bill at home, which is very expensive right now. Yeah, and the water. It's crazy. Um, $200 a month for electricity. I i think I had a bill this summer that was over $300 for electricity. Yeah. yeah. So, Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> it takes longer than you think. And being emotionally invested, having the energy to really see it through is important because you're building relationships. You're talking about this thing all the time. You're sacrificing a lot. You know, I think it's, you know, nothing is overnight. And would you say it's really important to pick a product that you really believe in? Genuine belief. I mean, I think the reason why people start businesses, the reasons are very different. Um, Some entrepreneurs see an opportunity Mm. in the world that needs to be filled and they're passionate about business. Mm-hmm. Other people are passionate about the product. And I, I don't think one is more important than the other. I think being mm. passionate about the pursuit is the most I important see. thing. Yeah. Um, the you know, drive. Yeah. The drive because you get like an adrenaline rush from the activity, right? I do. I mean, I, I do. If you, yeah, I mean, the entrepreneurial spirit is something that you either kind of have or you don't. And people either get it or they don't get it. I I prefer hanging out with people who are entrepreneurial because they're like, what if this? What if that? Let's try this. This is so exciting. Same. Yeah. Same. So exciting. Okay. Well, I think we gave our listeners a great story today or any last bits, Carrie, that you want to add? Um, come check us out at Gobble Up. We'll be at Gobble oh, Up on the 11th. Where's Gobble at? Up. Gobble Up is at the um, the Alder 
street uh the, the where the night market is typically held oh okay theaters. so do you have to buy a ticket i think it's free um so we'll be there on the 11th it's sort of a early holiday show and then november 11th that's a saturday that's a saturday and is it from like noon to 10 or something at night or what's the I think hours? It's like I think it's more like ten to five. It's just a day ten to time. five during the day. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we'll be at Portland Bazaar, both Portland Bazaars in December, um, the weekend of the ninth and tenth, and then the seventeenth, eighteenth. It overlaps with Crafty Wonderland, but you can hit both in one day. Where's Portland Bazaar at? Portland Bazaar is in Northwest Portland on 17th and something. They're in the same building as last year. It's this beautiful building. Um, very festive, super fun. One of our favorite shows. I have to look up the address. But And then Crafty Wonderland is at the convention center. Yeah, we're not doing Crafty Wonderland this year, but it does overlap. Um, Crafty Wonderland was crazy last year when I went there compared to a few years ago when it started. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. It's big. We did it last year and it kind of kicked our butt. So we said, let's let's take it easy this year. <laughs> yeah, do the things you love, right? Exactly. So yeah, okay. come see us, ask us questions. We love to, you know, hear about people's needs and give them suggestions. So we'll be at those three events this year and we're here to help. That's great. We record Masoni and Marshall every week. You can tune in on your favorite podcast platform. And we want to thank you, Carrie, for sharing your story with us today and the story of your company. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea, if you want to be a guest on our show, you can submit the idea to startupradio.com or contest oh or contact us through Instagram. And until next week, bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.